Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Roker here. This is the Sons of UCF Live. Adam here. Back this week, Leo. Leo, it's been a minute. It has. It has. I'm surprised you recognize me. Need a name tag. <laughs> man, Where you uh, been, Leo? Where you been? Ah, uh, man. Uh, well, first off was Portugal. Um, I had a day layover there, so I spent the day in Lisbon. That was great. And then landed in Rome after Rome, Florence after Florence, back to Rome again, and then Naples. Uh, and I, I have no words. The uh, once in a lifetime experience, like I told Adam earlier, is just great. Just ref- I feel refreshed, to be honest. I know I sound sick. Apologize for that, but I'm, just, uh, <laughs> I'm refreshed. But you know, I'm hacking up yeah, a lot. Yeah, other it's all that. good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah, Adam, is he? Has Leo missed anything? Anything been going on? Yeah, I caught him up quickly before we started the show. Um, he was really surprised at Joe Girardi. So we'll get into that maybe later <laughs> afterwards. Um, he was really surprised at that one. But it's good to have Leo back. It's good to have the the band back together. We still miss UCF Mike, who's off on assignment, as always, on Thursdays. But good to have Leo back. Good to have a little sense of normalcy back here at the Suns UCF Live. Is that a new polo shirt? Does that look like anthracite? Possibly. It- it is anthracite, Trace. I mean, there's some perks to being on the Sons of UCF. New uh, new polos maybe coming soon. So not to not to everybody, but some of you select individuals like you, Trace, and you, Leo, and maybe Mike. Oh, very nice. Uh, for Brian W. Peterson, is there a gold version of this new polo? I don't look good in gold, and I suspect neither of you do either. So there is no gold appearing. This is anthracite. I'm not sure. I think Christian Simmons is an anthracite fan, so maybe this is channeling our inner Christian Simmons. Yeah. Well, somebody has to. <laughs> or he's a pewter guy, right? He's a big pewter guy. Yeah, big pewter guy. Mm-hmm. All right, we got, we got a busy show. We're going to talk about the new baseball head coach. Uh, sound bites from earlier this week. I dropped on my Twitter at Simpes. NBA draft in just a week. It's funny to be talking about that within the confines of the Sons of UCF Hour. By the way, Adam, tough on your Miami Heat, but a, a good showing this season. 
Yeah, unexpected finals run, a, a little fun, a couple of a couple of months there. Uh, you know, they played hard, but Denver was just a really good team, and it was clear that they had uh, the size inside. Uh, uh, Miami could not compete. Nice, fun run. Good to always support your team. Same with the Panthers. Obviously, their run ended as well. So, a good, fun couple of months. Remind you why you love sports because every now and again, something really surprising happens, and it brings us all together. So, good, fun time, and uh, we turn the page to next season. And Damian Lillard, maybe. Mm. Well, you know, mm. Dame. That's a name. That's a name. Uh, Athletic Director Terry Mahajer dropping some news today on his uh, Twitter account. Just <laughs> 10 season tickets remain until UCF is sold out of its allotment. A lot of buzz now around this moving into the Big 12. And he's trying to you know, tease up who's going to be that person that gets that last uh, season ticket or sets a season ticket. So we knew it was going uh, you know, to happen. But, I mean, we're just in June and, and they'll have sold out the allotment. Plus, you'd expect... Uh, a stronger visiting section this year, though they have released limited amount of single game tickets per per game as well for the upcoming schedule. Yeah, look, packed a bounce house, right? I mean, I think this is obviously a, a bellwether year for UCF, first time in the Big 12. So uh, I suspect those 10, I think I saw there was four left. I think somebody had tweeted out that. Oh, is that the new number already been taken. I, I was a fan. I don't know if it's accurate, though. So looks like some of those tickets have gone. But uh, if you're on the fence, it's a great opportunity to, to get out there and maybe a good investment as well. So. Very interesting. Uh, Terry Modger also, he did a little media availability after the uh, presser with new UCF baseball head coach Rich Wallace. And one of the questions he was asked about was this tourist development tax. If you've been following this, UCF is lined up at that trough along with the usual sex suspects, the convention center, uh, Camping World Stadium, the Magic Stadium. Uh, they all want uh, some of that tourist development tax. UCF requesting a mere $177 million. They'll use it for the Athletics Village stadium upgrades. And UCF will be making its pitch Friday. Uh, and uh, I asked him, what is UCF's compelling case on this one? What is UCF's compelling case for those dollars? Uh, I, I would say is we're on the move. Um, and uh, we're, we, we need help, just like anybody else, to, to build a championship caliber Power 5 program. All right. He, he said some more after that. It was a longer soundbite. But <laughs> we need help. Uh, I hope that the presentation, the PowerPoint slides are, you know, a little more interesting than just that. Adam, what do you think? What do you think chances are here for UCF get some of these dollars? I mean, it's really hard to say. I, I, I've obviously, I, I think, um, you know, there's an opportunity to at least request the funds, and and uh, I know there was some talk about that, but you know, UCF is well within the rights based on what the what the tax is designed for. I know there's some bigger projects that are out there, right? I know the Orlando Dreamers is out there. There's a camping world nine hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, camping world stadium upgrades is out there. So a couple different sports items out there. Uh, so I, I don't know how to handicap what. Uh, what will be selected, but UCF's got a smaller amount from that standpoint. So, um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but obviously we know that we need the funds to compete long-term in the big 12 for UCF. So um, let's, let's hope Timo has his, uh, his PowerPoint slides ready. He's got the clicker with enough batteries in it to be able to move from slide to slide, get all the specifics down. I imagine he'll have a coffee cup in his hand. It's typically his move. So <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's see how that goes. Uh, Leo, you know, they, he talked about the opportunity increased hotel rooms, and I would say this, it's fair, right, that these Big 12 teams, and on the schedule this year, it's, it's Baylor, it's West Virginia on the home slate, Oklahoma State, these are teams that travel well for bowl games and other regular season games, so I think he's got a case there that they are going to put some more people into hotel rooms than you might expect from, uh, say, Temple or Tulsa. 
No, absolutely. I I 100% agree with that. Um, and w- when he does make his pitch on Friday, uh, he's he's probably gonna uh, hound on that a lot. You know, uh, just the fact that we're in the Power Five uh, is enough um, to actually get get us those dollars. So um, I'm praying as a student that you know it happens, and uh, and it's not as much as you know uh, you know the Orlando Dreamers are asking for, or you know that uh, renovation for Camping World Stadium. So uh, hopefully he gets it done. Orlando Dreamers, <laughs> gotta have a better name. I mean, in case for that, I saw Dolly's uh, comment that it's not Terry, it's someone else, right? That may be the the presenter on that, uh, but no doubt a strong UCF contingent uh, will be there for that, and sometime before they make those announcements. But again, they they've got tough road here, uh, going up against the convention center, which has always got its hand out, asking for more money and expansion, and some of the other big players in this. Uh, Maybe maybe they get a sprinkling of money and, and that's better than nothing. And, and every dollar is going to count for UCF. Right. We're just a week away from an unusual occurrence in these parts. Right. Uh, a rare. Uh, never, never happened. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the UCF is going to have a top round NBA draft pick. I mean, can you feel that buzz out? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, Trace, to, to have that sort of out there and really be following the, the draft closely. I know some folks out there are Magic fans or, or Heat fans or fans of whatever team you are, and you maybe follow from that standpoint. But to, to keep hearing Taylor Hendricks, UCF on ESPN or when you're watching something, really draws your attention. So it's, it's a lot of fun, I think, for all of us as fans. And I know uh, there's a lot of celebration uh, potentially planned for Taylor and a lot of folks rooting for him. So it, it is good to have somebody in the mix and someone to root for and kind of cheer for um, as, as the draft approaches next week. Yeah, Taylor Hendricks, as a UCF alum going into the NBA, I look at it as you know having having almost like a a figure you know in going into pro sports uh, from the UCF is just I don't even know how to describe it to be honest. It's kind of indescribable to go you know to to have somebody finally from UCF in the NBA. That's never really you know. I mean, yes, Taco Fall, but guess what? Taylor Hendricks actually has a future to be in the NBA for years and years to come. Um, So I'm really, really excited about that one. Leo, when we watched him over the course of the season, you had opportunity as I did to interview him and ask questions after games. At what point in the season did you feel this guy is probably one and done for UCF? Uh, It was after I would say the Memphis game. I think that's when his, uh, his, his draft stock really started to pick up steam after that game just because of where the team was standing at then and there, his performances from, you know, uh, actually there's a, there's a, there was a game early in the season against Mizzou that he hit a really clutch three pointer. And that really, you know, stuck. And I was like, wow, like this kid, you know, he has the guts to do that. Um, there was a lot of criticism throughout the season. Oh, well he can't do it in the, like, he can't take a game by the throat during the AAC. You know what I'm saying? And, and, that's that's all talk, but he does have the guts to you know um, take the game to to the opponent. So um, no, I think that after that Memphis game, his his draft stock just started picking up steam, and and rightfully so. Um, he showed it um, throughout the whole entire season. He was NBA caliber. Well, and he's been invited by the NBA to be in their green room for the draft just one week out on Thursday. Adam, you mentioned the Magic earlier. They are in the mix for. Uh, Taylor Hendricks. Let's bring in the magic beat writer for the Orlando Sentinel, Kobe Price, uh, to talk a little bit about the magic. Kobe, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Appreciate you guys having me on. How's it going? How's it going? 
Doing well, doing well. You know, you know UCF, right? We don't get to talk NBA draft and yeah. UCF, so it's good to have you on. Magic coming off the 34 and 48 season, 7th and 11th picks. First, for our audience, uh, no doubt some NBA fans in the mix there, tell us about the Orlando Magic coming off this season and some needs that you see that they have. Yeah, the Magic end of the draft with the uh, the 6th and 11th pick in the draft, uh, Yeah, I guess, what, a week from today? Uh, you know, 30, you said the record 34 and 48, uh, but doesn't really, sh the record doesn't fully reflect the season that they had. I think they finished out 29 and 28 over the last 57 games or something along those lines. You know, once they got healthier, they did take a significant step in their development as a group. So now, you know, kind of going forward, what they're probably going to look in this draft is, you know, players, young players that can kind of help push forward, you know, the overall development they've had under Paula Bancaro, Franz Wagner. Wendell Carton Jr., Markup Fultz, you know, the list goes on of the young players that already have. So in terms of needs, you know, Jeff Waltman said it himself, you know, they have a lot of needs. They're not that good yet. I think that was close to his quote. But, you know, shooting and just overall depth, especially in the front court, uh, are things that, you know, if they don't target in the draft, you know, whether it's free agency trades, that I think that uh, would help them out a lot. Kobe, obviously we're talking a lot about Taylor Hendricks. As you've talked to scouts and, and sort of NBA types, is there a current NBA comp that you've heard for Taylor Hendricks? Who does his game maybe most represent who's, who's in the NBA today? Yeah, I, I don't – I'll be honest. I haven't really been speaking about Taylor Hendricks with other people. I haven't really asked more so comps. More so just what I ask about is like what they think of him, you know, what stands out about him. Uh, if you're putting me on the spot in terms of comps – it's, I'm, it's hard for me to come up with one off the top of my head. It's just, but I know he has a skill set that several NBA teams would value. You know, the ability to alter shots at the rim, you know, switch out, defend, knock down uh, threes, knock down open shots. You know, the entire league is looking for players like him, regardless if you're rebuilding or if you're contending or somewhere in the middle. His skill set and what he brings to the table at that size is valuable. So that's you – know, he, he's going to be – I would be very surprised. I would actually be shocked um, if he was not a top 10 pick. I, and I would be willing to say he's going to be probably top eight. Wow, Kobe. Now you mentioned, you know, about his draft stock. I kind of wanted to get in more in depth in that. When did he really actually start getting into the radar of NBA teams um, as far as, you know, top 10 pick? Because throughout the whole season, we, we heard about Taylor Hendricks, you know, maybe being one and done, but we weren't really certain until more towards the uh, back end of the season when we started hearing, okay, he's he's got a good chance of being a lottery. How, how does that happen, you know, for a college player to just kind of leap into that um, and, you know, just kind of break that down? Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough for me because a lot of times when I'm watching the college season, I'm not, like, plugged in in terms of, like, watching every game or following the, the storylines of the season. I saw a lot of times I actually catch up on it after the fact. Um, but I, I started to hear Taylor's name outside of just watching him myself in the NBA circles a little bit more. I would say probably like February, to be honest. Maybe late January to early to mid-February, somewhere in that range. And I think it's kind of going back to what I said earlier. Once he was he was showcasing that skill set a little bit more in conference play and they're able to see that he's able to do it at that level um, consistently, I think that's when teams are starting to realize, you know, 
at this size, this ability, this skill set, you know, not yeah. a lot of players at that size can knock down shots, knock down threes the way he did, and then defend the paint, alter shots at the rim, be switchable on defense, and just be a a heady player in that sense. And that's something that it'd be like I said, regardless of what team you are at, you're going to value him, and that's why you know as the season goes on, he goes from you know potential first round pick to potential, you know, top 20 pick. It's a lottery pick. Now we're talking about him as a potential top six, top seven, top eight pick. You know, I would definitely, I would be like, again, shocked if he wasn't top 10 pick. You've been talking about his strengths and it'd be a, a good fit for any number of teams. In what in particular do you think makes him a good fit for the magic? Uh, going back to the size, you know, the magic, they very much value positional size. Um, even if he's not a starter from day one, because they already have Franz Wagner, Paula Bancaro, Wendell Carter Jr. there, or even if he is, because of his ability to, like I said, switch out, you know, guard fours, guard threes, you know, maybe guard some small ball fives, you can kind of put him alongside any combination of the Magic's already existing front court, the three players, Franz, Paula, and Wendell I mentioned earlier. And you don't feel like you you're not you don't have to fit him into the box. He kind of enhances this uh, flexible, no positionless play that they that they like to put out there. And then for the mat for the Magic, he would he would help open up the floor. You know, I, I mentioned shooting as one of their needs. You know, being able to space the floor, complement the main guys already, that would be big for them. And you know, when they when Wendell Carter wasn't on the floor. You know, rim protection was something they liked of their front court players, and that's something that I know he would provide for them. So, in terms of fit for the Magic, he could fill in in so many different areas without taking away from what they've already built. Kobe, obviously UCF going into the Big 12 this upcoming season, which obviously from a college basketball standpoint is, is probably the best conference out there. <laughs> Bigger picture, how big a deal is it, do you think, for UCF as a school and a basketball program to have a guy – who's a potential lottery pick. How much do you think that helps UCF sort of build their brand and maybe, you know, continue to make inroads into recruiting as, as you think about going further than the Big 12? How much does Taylor Hendricks, being a guy that may be a top 10 pick, help that out? It, it could be significant just because, especially if Taylor Hendricks, you know, starts out his career well, you know, be whether it's to be an all-rookie first or second team guy, you know, just as solid from the jump, that's, you know, that's going to catch recruits' attention. And... Be, for teams to see that, hey, he did like Taylor Hendricks did it, and then recruits, you know, maybe you get better recruits um, at UCF. Then you start getting, you know, for UCF that can boost their profile, and then NBA teams will start catching on, like, hey, UCF is a place that we need to continue to check out, and they're playing against, you know, a higher level of competition basketball wise. So it kind of it's almost like a cycle of Taylor Hendricks help raise the profile, get better players. You're going to be you're in a pyre. Uh, better conference now NBA teams are going to be more locked into those games they're already going to be watching a lot of uh, big 12 games period so now you're you're kind of I guess uh, going through the cycle of more teams are going to be more eyeballs are going to be paying attention to you Kobe as you you know we were talking about UCF and and the Orlando Magic here um, there's been kind of a um, a lack of excitement, I guess you could say, for UCF, you know, because of their basketball program moving forward. And, you know, going into the new conference, it's going to get even more competitive now. But what can a relationship with an NBA team, I feel like maybe the Magic and, and UCF don't really have like a, 
I guess a connection, but I don't know if that could help maybe uh, create, you know, uh, to have UCF become a basketball school per se, you know, like where do you see that relationship and how do you think, uh, you know, UCF can advance to become that basketball school? Well, I'll say this. If the Magic draft Taylor Hendricks, that would be a great step to cultivating uh, <laughs> that relationship, which I, I will say I, I do very much believe is in play. Uh, not just saying that because I'm on the shot. I do believe that he's a guy that they'll very much consider. But, yeah, if Taylor Hendricks winds up going to the Magic, getting drafted, I, I imagine that would spark a very significant relationship uh, between the two. But e- even outside of Taylor, I mean, I, I do think that the moves uh, – you know the move uh, for them to to the Big Twelve that 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 alone can maybe spark a better profile. Maybe you know it, it will honestly just be cool to see you know just I guess you, like UCF guys being invited to games. I, I don't know if that's happened before. I'm sure it right. has, but you know just seeing that kind of interaction alone would be significant. I know I forget which college team it was. I don't I don't even want to say it. I'm, I think I know which one it was, but I'm not going to say it. You know. I know college teams come to NBA games all the time, especially when they're traveling for tournaments or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it would be great just to see UCF come to it, like get the invitation to come to a game, just to get that interaction. And then I know, you know, at least Magic players, I know they use UCF's campus or other, you know, other players, um, you know, for summer runs or whatever it may be. So that, you know, interaction, mentorship, those are just ways to have a better spark as well. You've talked about Taylor's strengths. What's the knock on his game? What maybe he drops a couple of spots in this draft and it would be because of what? Yeah, I think the, the areas, of, areas of improvement, the most significant ones would be, I guess, like the ball skills. Um, how much is he going to be able to create his own shot just out of isolation, out of nothing, essentially? Um, you know, when you're drafting the top 10, you would like to probably see a little bit more and non, non-dunk finishes just having better touch at the rim, just converting shots at the rim at a higher level when they aren't dunked, so they aren't, you know, in the open floor or they aren't, um, you know, they're a little bit more contested. Those are the things that when you're drafting a guy at that level or that high, probably want to see a little bit more of, um, yeah, from, from a guy that with with that, you know, with especially at that size. Kobe, if you're you running the Magic, obviously you mentioned two picks in the first round, seven and 11. Would you draft a player both those, or do you think there's an opportunity for, for the Magic to package one of those picks and try to free up a superstar, somebody who's out there that's maybe you know thinking about moving? Bradley Beal's name is out there. Damian Lillard's name is out there. If you were if you were the GM of the Magic, do you take both those picks, or do you try to package for something maybe a little bit bigger? Yeah, I mean, I think I would I would obviously explore my options just to see you know you talk about a guy you know those high level guys like Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. You have to ask yourself. Are we as a team ready in our development to take on players like that? Those are win now moves. And then also, do you want to tie up your cap space to guys who, you know, what is your, what is your, especially with a guy like Dane, what's your team going to be like um, if you made that kind of deal? Obviously, it doesn't seem like Dane's even available. There's everything's from Portland saying that he wants to stay in Portland. But even a guy like Bradley Beal, that would tie up your cap space significantly. Um, for the next few years, especially with this new CBA. So I would explore it, but I would also feel comfortable taking, you know, two guys, you know, two new guys at, you know, six and 11. And maybe you get different positional versatility. Maybe you draft a wing at one spot, a big at another spot, um, or a guard at one spot, (laughs) just so you can have a little bit of, um, you know, there can still be pathways for playing time. 
but I don't think with the options the Magic should have, I think there's very few ways that can, they can make a wrong choice or wrong decision. Um, it's just about what direction you want the team to go and how much do you want to continue to build the team organically or do you kind of want to jumpstart things or have a little ignition to you know get further quicker. Um, but everything they've said up to this point is they're going to take the patient approach. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took two guys at those spots. Kobe, I like to think the Magic are one of the young, exciting franchises coming in, you know, to next season. You know, season's coming forward just because of the, the the young roster they have in Paolo Bancaro and, you know, uh, Vendel Carter and <clears throat> Franz Wagner. But um, Taylor Hendricks or whoever they pick next, what? how how will it elevate the Magic going into future seasons? Is this going to be the draft that kind of defines the team going forward, you know, to kind of build a dynasty, I guess you could say, because of their young core, um, or will they kind of need more time to? Uh, I, I mean, I think this draft, I think, you know, getting, you know, especially guys like Franz and Paula back-to-back drafts, that's, I don't, it's hard to say you can define your, your future bigger than those kind of moves, but I think with this draft, it kind of solidify, either solidify the core or solidify your foundation just a little bit better, um, especially, you know, with contracts and everything that goes on. I think just having a little bit more consistency with your depth will be will can, can help push you to a different level. You see it with the team like the Denver Nuggets who just won a championship. You know, they, they drafted, you know, Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., but then also being able to have the guys to make moves for a guy like Aaron Gordon, a former Magic player, or Katavis Caldwell-Pope. You know, those are, you know – Drafting the players and eventually maybe eventually make moves, or they develop into the kind of players to solidify things. That's kind of where I see the magic right now. Um, and you know, if they with the trajectory trajectory they're on, they probably you know for their they may not be this high again in the draft lottery. So this may be you know one of the last opportunities for a while to get these quality of talents. Get you out of here on a couple of rapid fire questions. How high could Taylor Hendricks go in this draft? How high? Um, the Magic are six. I would say I would start. I think his, I think his range starts with the Magic at six. So I and I misspoke earlier when I said seventh. It is six. Will they take him at six? <sighs> I'm inclined to believe not. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, as of right now, I would say probably not. But they take him at eleven though. It, you know, if he's at 11, then I think they definitely would. Uh, I, I think his range is somewhere between six to 10. Uh, but yeah, if, I mean, if he's available at 11, I would have a hard time seeing the magic pass him up. Future bright for Taylor Hendricks as well. You not going to be on the beat much longer, right? You're heading yeah. to cover another NBA team. Tell us about that before we let you out here. Yeah. Going to cover the Los Angeles Lakers for the Southern California news group uh, starting June 27th. So just a week and a half. Well, congratulations to you. We appreciate the insight on Taylor Hendricks and the magic. And thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Good Thank stuff. You, Good Thank luck. You. Thank you. All right. Adam Leo on the spot now. Taylor Hendricks. Magic? No? Kobe's <clears throat> not so sure about that? Do you think he stays local? I don't. I have him. I think Utah's picking like nine. I have him uh, nine at Utah. Yikes. I mean, for me, I think it makes so much sense for him to just stay local. Um, I don't think they'll go. <clears throat> I think it's a reach at six. Um, 
but at 11, man, I'd, I'd say, I'd say take him at 11 if you yeah. can. I would love for him. Yeah. I would love for him to stay in Orlando though. That's, that's for sure. But <clears throat> Taylor is a guy that I think all the NBA teams could use. I don't think any, anybody could kind of be picky on, you know, on Taylor. So. Yeah, think, if he's uh, not if he's at eleven, Trace, I mean Orlando's got to pick him at that point. Right? Yeah. If he falls that far, I mean that that's got to be a pick um, at eleven. I think uh, Adam, I think Leo is saying he ends up with the Magic. Hey, can we get some credentials to the Magic to cover? Taylor that's Henry? exactly what I'm talking about. I'm in. Uh, what are we gonna do? I'm in. I got we got shirts now, Trace. We're we're, we're ready to go. Uh, well, it's going to be good news for Taylor Hendricks and the UCF basketball brand just one week, and uh, we'll be on live with the NBA draft. So still working out how we're going to go about covering that, but uh, it's going to be fun next Thursday night for the NBA draft. We don't get to do this uh, with Sons of UCF Live or UCF basketball, so it's going to be fun. Uh, fun earlier this week, a little back and forth on who might land here, but former night baseball player, assistant coach Rich Wallace, he is back home and the next head coach of the UCF Knights. Uh, and, uh, you know, he he was here during a very big stretch of time in which UCF was a, a player in uh, in college baseball. And that's fallen off uh, over the last few years. And, and he intends to get it back uh, and, and just talk about, what, you know, what's been different uh, since that time when he was a Knight. When you watch from afar, what's been the missing thing the last 20 years that it hasn't gone from where it was when you were here? Well, I think they were close. Like we were close a bunch of times, one pitcher short. It's getting enough depth on the mound that you can make the runs in the NCAA tournament or the conference tournament, or when the games become the games. Um, we have to get a little more dynamic athletically. Mm. And uh, his official announcement of assistant coaches has not come out. However. Uh, Norberto Lopez, the recruiting coordinator, most recently in Miami, makes his bio UCF Twitter official uh, by mentioning uh, his new role with the Knights. Adam, when you heard the name, what'd you think? There was that flirtation there, those rumors with Joe Girardi. I got the Cubs on right now. He's in the uh, he's in the uh, studio tonight covering the Cubs where he once played. So uh, what do you think? Rich Wallace, uh, good fit for the Knights? Yeah, look, I, I certainly am not one who followed UCF baseball uh, very closely for the past 20, 25 years. So the, the name obviously was familiar to me. I, I'd known of his success in the coaching ranks at Jacksonville, Notre Dame, Florida State. But and we say this all the time, Trace, he won me over at that press conference when he talked about being home, how important it was for him to be in Orlando, how much the night community meant to him. And then I know you, you were there. It was actually broadcast live on ESPN Plus, which was a nice little perk. And they pan to the back and you see a bunch of his former teammates, one of whom is, is about to join us here in a few minutes. You saw a bunch of his former teammates in the back, you know, cheering, clapping. Um, we, I've talked to a few of his teammates, you know, via text. And the amount of folks who are happy about this, the amount of folks who supported this, that that won me over. Again, I'm not going to pretend I know his, his entire baseball history that I followed his career at UCF really closely but he looked like a guy who wants to be in in, in Orlando wearing the black and gold his teammates that were, were there supported that so this is one that I know we often say win the press conference he won me over at the press conference and, and I, I'm really excited about the hire in the future of UCF baseball. Leo what about you do you like this hire? Yeah I mean I was over the moon uh, when I heard uh, when I heard it was official because I was looking at the links you know with obviously Girardi um, I didn't want those links to kind of like become true just cause you know, I, I kind of know the background with Girardi and it's just probably not the best for the program. So when Rich Wallace actually came to fruition, you know, um, 
it just it made a lot of sense. Um, his resume is really what pops out to me. I just love the, how he has a lot of recruiting experience, you know, from Notre Dame, you know, um, uh, Jacksonville, and even now, uh, you know, in, in when he was at Florida State. That is that is huge. Like um, recruiting is so important, and I think that uh, he's going to be great, uh, great recruiter. So, uh, yeah. Well, let's hear from a former UCF baseball player. More importantly, a 2015 UCF Athletics Hall of Famer. We don't get Hall of Famers around these parts too often. He is D Brown, the dual sport athlete, baseball, football. D, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Good evening. Good evening, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. UCF Lauren, it just scrolled across the screen. She said she got misty-eyed seeing all those former players coming out to support Coach Wallace, now the new head baseball coach at UCF. When you heard his name in the mix for this and then being official, what was your reaction? Um, I was excited. Me and Rich are really close, but I was excited because I know the hard work and dedication that he's put in um, to get to this point. And every move that he's made is is literally for the day that happened on Monday. So that that's why I was excited. But like I heard earlier, more importantly, if you take the name and it's alumni of UCF out of it and look at the resume, we got the right coach. <clears throat> and that's the part that I'm excited about. Yeah, D, tell us about tell us about Rich as a coach. What do you think UCF's getting uh, with him now as our head baseball coach? You're getting a guy that knows baseball. Obviously, he's helped me in my career when I first got to UCF when it comes to skill set, when it comes to just working with uh, fundamentals. Um, but you're getting a, a recruiter that's going to go out and win the war and keep the schools that may not reside in the state of Florida out of it and get the kids that we need to get. D, uh, how is uh... – uh, rich as a player his background as a player obviously you know for us students or new you know that didn't get a chance to to watch him play what was that's something that stood out about his game that he's gonna bring on to, to- rich, rich, when i got to you said rich was coming off an of injury but he still was putting up stats i watched him the previous years and, and, and as you see he led the led the team in hitting as a freshman i think it was hitting 380 or a number like that until he got hurt so that shows you even in the A-Sun, and the A-Sun, a lot of people don't understand, the A-Sun was the top five or six conference when we were playing in it back then, even though you may not recognize a lot of the names in there. Well, you could tell how much he loves college baseball in particular. He talked about it uh, in the post-game media session, just his love for the game and how much baseball means to his family, right? His daughters yeah. are named Easton and Max. What's he like as a person, you could tell how important family was to him and how he's ready to make these UCF players that are going to be on his roster part of his family. I, I think UCF got a gym, um, not only just on the field, but off the field. Um, I've watched him um, develop not just baseball players, but when, when players are finished, he's working to find them jobs. You know what I mean? Heck, I'm one person that I know he helped me get a job when I first got out, right? I know there's countless other players that are that are teammates or players of himself that he's helped mentor, get jobs, coaching jobs, or just regular profession. So UCF is getting someone that's not just a great baseball coach and is going to recruit his butt off. I think he's also going to make sure he's creating great men. D, why was it important for you and your teammates to be at the press conference? I'm sure you had a lot of things to do Monday at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, right? Why was it important for you and your teammates to show up and be there for Rich's press conference? Um, That shows you, even, even after 20 years of playing with somebody, that he's still – even in the in the long days of college baseball, he stays in touch with with his friends, and I would consider Rich a friend. We we obviously talk often, 
um, talk about different baseball things, what's going on, obviously uh, career moves. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to miss it. He's going to, he's getting his dream job. I wanted to be there just to enjoy the moment. Do you're talking about recruiting battles and especially here in the state of Florida, how important do you think that, you know, hiring Norberto Lopez from, you know, from Miami um, coming here, it's going to be a, you know, big time uh, move for him, you know, coming to UCF and, uh, making UCF kind of like a, a cornerstone baseball program here in the state of Florida. Um, we have the talent in, in the near, in the backyard. We just have to go out there and fight and win it. We have to win those battles. Um, I think it's important that we're getting um, guys that have a history of recruiting. Um, and, and ultimately, I, I, sometimes I feel like that's a little bit more important than the head coach at, in, at certain teams. When you look at the old Bobby Bowden teams, we're talking football now, but there, there is a rumor back in the days that they say Bobby Bowden headphones used to even not be plugged up, but it was more about the recruiting and getting players in the system and they won games. And I think that has a lot to do with baseball as well. You know, a good uh, Bobby Bowden quote is when he talked about his secret to success recruiting, he said having a good stomach because he's been in many a kitchen with a, a mama making a pie or a pie, <laughs> pie roast and he smiled and, and ate all of it. And that was the key. For him, take us back. You know, you know, with UCF and the success in football, there are a lot of new fans. Uh, 2017 to the present, right? But take us back on this campus 20 years ago. Baseball was really the the, the crown jewel in the sports uh, landscape at UCF. Yeah, I saw both sides. So I saw the the really talented football teams, but we couldn't win a game. We just didn't have the depth. So I mean, a lot of the games we were in it. You know, in the first two quarters and about third, by the end of the third, it's a blowout, right? So I understand um, that when it comes to baseball, we're in top 25 almost every year. We competed. Um, we went out and got baseball players. Not a lot of big names, but the big talented guys. You know what I mean? And we just played together. When I, when I look at my four, my four teams, we were ranked at some point in the season, top 25, winning ball games, competing against the big conferences, not stepping down from it, really – rising to the challenge well i asked coach this in the post game uh, post presser what's been missing these last 20 years and he said well ucf's been close from your vantage as you've watched the program what's been the missing element why didn't it continue to build from when you were there um i mean we we've been right there in some years um and a lot of years i i feel like i don't i i feel like injury i mean when you look at teams you look at talent you look at other schools coming to get our talent so we have the talent I mean, it's just putting it all together at the same time. You know what I mean? One that comes with recruiting, I, I feel like, just me personally, because if a guy gets hurt, we got to have somebody to come in and be able to fill that shoe. We don't know when the injury is going to happen, but somebody's got to pick it up and, and keep it moving. So I think that's why recruiting is going to be huge, because you have to have multiple, you have to have multiple guys when it comes to depth. All right, D, I get to ask you the most obvious question. As our friend Dolly Drama points out, obviously you starred on the, both uh, the football field and the baseball field. John Rice Plumley this uh, this spring obviously did both as well, being in spring football and, and baseball. As somebody who's done both of those sports at a really high level, can you put in perspective what you thought of what John Rice was able to accomplish You know, this spring, juggling both being a starting center fielder on the baseball team and QB1 on the football team? Impressive. I mean, it, it, the guy is built like a machine. I, I'll give you a little insight. When I played football there, one of the reasons I went to UCF because I didn't want to do spring football and I didn't do fall baseball. So what he did doing both is, is extremely impressive when it comes to spring football and baseball. 
D, do you think the injuries kind of, uh, you know, is it just kind of like a misfortune thing or is this something that needs to be addressed like with the trainers and, and no, I, don't, I don't, I don't think it's internal. I, I, okay. I, I think that's just something when you look at some, uh, even when you look at the last year's team, when you look at the talent, the talent levels there, then you have a guy go out. Right. I don't think that's coach related. I don't think, you know, obviously it's a business. So things happen. Obviously if we don't win, the top usually feels the, 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 the punch. Right. So, but at the end of the day, I, I think injuries happen. That's just part of the game. I think where maybe we fell short in general when I just look at baseball is the depth, right? Everybody in the, in the country can say we, they've had injuries, but at the end of the day, I feel like we really have to dig down into that recruiting depth and, and build it. It's no different than football. You know, our, our linebacker go out, we got to find somebody. Can't just throw it up. You know what I mean? A great storyline with Coach Wallace is not only, you know, he played, he was an assistant coach there for a stretch. He's come back home to be the head coach. And that just really hasn't happened in UCF's history. What does that mean to you to see a guy who played on that field now get to lead another group of young men? You you just know that the letters on the front of the shirt is always going to be played for. I know a lot of times we're, we're trying to put the name on the back, which I, which I truly respect and I appreciate because obviously we, we put all that work in to get our names on the back of a Jersey, right? But ultimately, in the in the days of NIL and all the social media, sometimes we lose the names on the front. And I feel like with a guy like Rich, there he's gonna get a bunch of guys that's gonna play for the UCF on the front. And I think that's gonna be a big difference when it comes to not saying other coaches haven't, but we also know that if he wins, he's not looking for the next job, right? We know that. Well, D, you mentioned it's a new day in college athletics. What are your thoughts on NAL and transfer portal? Obviously, those are, are two terms that are, are now ingrained in college sports fans. I can't imagine what you would do in NAL back in your day. I mean, you probably would have cleaned up. I'm trying to the all the money I can take. No, <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts on, on NAL and the transfer Tru- portal? Truthfully, what that's I, love college it. I, I, I love it. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to be an old timer, so I don't. I love it. I think as long as you can you can balance both, go out and get the money that you deserve, right? The the flip side of that with coaches, it makes it a lot more difficult. Um, and that's why recruiting and, and developing that depth, because you don't know when your shortstop or your starting pitcher is going to leave. You got to be able to have another guy that's ready to go, right? And I think that's why Rich Wallace will be a very successful pick for UCF if he can develop that pipeline of, of Central Florida and I-4 corridor. Guys are going to leave that we can't afford. We understand that. But at the end of the day, if we have that depth, I'm not saying I'm not going to miss an All-American shortstop freshman, but we got to have a baseball <laughs> player that can come in and put numbers up, right? D, do you have any advice for the current players uh, uh, to kind of build a great relationship with Coach Rich and, you know, what they should expect from him and, you know, and and what the, and vice versa, you know, what he should expect from the players? I mean, I, I can only speak from experience is that trust the man, right? Trust a man that he, his proof's in the pudding for 20 years. He's developed. He's won at all levels, no matter if you're looking at JU, if you're looking at Creighton, you're looking at Notre Dame with the with the re, re, recruiting restrictions of getting a normal baseball player like myself in. I would have got turned away back in the days, right? Like, oh, let's see a transcript. But he's also winning at those levels. And I, and I don't see that changing at UCF. So I would recommend to them just dig in and, and pick his brain and, and learn from him. He's bringing in a, 
incredible staff. I mean, we all can grow, learn something, and get better. We'll wrap you on this one. You mentioned the A-Sun, which UCF baseball was a part of, right? And now two weeks or so away from the Big 12. What does that mean to you to see over this 20 years since you played where the university and where its athletic program is now? For UCF, I think it's big. I mean, for baseball, to me, baseball is baseball. So I won't I won't highlight that part. But for the university, I think it's, I think it's huge. When I first got there, we're independent. Then we went to the MAC. Then we uh, in football and baseball, we were a son. So, I mean, the difference of talent is going to be huge, I believe. Um, in this day and age, I would NIL days. Um, but in, in, in the interim, I just think that baseball is baseball. You go out there, you develop a monster team and you win. Um, but for the fans, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be more important for the fans in the financial side aspect of the university. I think it's going to yeah. be good. Yeah, I got one more for you. We've been way too nice to Coach Wallace. Tell me, do you have an embarrassing story about him? Does he have a, does he have a nickname that he doesn't like? You, you got to give me something embarrassing here. I honestly, I don't because he's the only human being that I've met that knew exactly what he wanted to do when he got to college. So that's one thing that I respect about him because when I got there, I'm like, I don't know. I'm here to play sports. He knew he wanted to be a coach. Every step that he made from the time he stepped on campus to to now was for this job today. And I don't say that to be cliche, but I'm, I'm being very transparent. So for him, if you ask about other teammates, we got plenty. But for him, he was always, hey, this is my next step, right? That was just him. That's really cool. Adam, I think we got to have D back on for a segment on sharing stories about his former teammates. I think there's some stories there. D Brown, 2015 UCF Athletics Hall of Famer, Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and talking about Coach Wallace and some of your memories from your time at UCF. Uh, you're one of the great ones in UCF history. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, right. Thank you. Thank you, D. All right. Athletics Hall of Famer. Uh, good question there, Adam. Uh, and uh, he we played way both. Too, we, are way, we are way too nice. Yeah. <laughs> there had to be something there, Trace. Sometimes, Adam, we can be the friendly no. media. Come on now. Sometimes. Ironic, factual, and friendly. That's what yes. we can be here. Uh, so, uh, mentioned the uh, hiring, uh, soon to be announced, no doubt, of Norberto Lopez, recruiting coordinator recently at University of Miami, now coming to UCF baseball. Going around the kingdom a little bit more, Ben McCabe earned second team All American nod, uh, second All American nod, National Collegiate Baseball All American third team. Congratulations to him. And hey, Leo, you're back just in time. I know this is why you finally came back. Big block party. Burger U with Brits Bunch and some others on July 1st to celebrate UCF and the Big 12. Adam, going to be some polo shirts out there. You giving those away? You selling them? What are you doing? Um, none of the above. Maybe some hats. And I think I, I can't oh, confirm no this shirts. just yet. No shirts. Well, I mean, I'm declining. I will wear a shirt. Uh, no, I think, and I, I don't want to, you know, set expectations too high. I think this may be the second edition of Bouncing with Leo. So if you all saw the original Bouncing with Leo, this this <laughs> may be on that one. This may be version two. So if you're out there and you want to be a part of Bouncing with Leo, yeah. Dolly Drama, I'm looking at you. This could be your opportunity. <laughs> Round two, Bouncing with Leo. Leo, where'd you get your mic, by the way? Uh, I saw a comment about Trump. Oh, yeah. So I got this. Uh, so funny thing is. <laughs> he looks down at it. And he's not talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Funny <laughs> thing is. I, I've, always, I've been using this mic. I've had this mic for the longest. It's just today I figured out how to actually talk through it. Because this whole time I've been talking through the computer. But I connected my J Lab mic 
finally. <laughs> that sounds no, like that, the early days that, of me doing the show, Leo. The difference in sound, you guys can probably tell. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, you sound uh, much more gravelly and nasally than you. Oh, used. yeah. Maybe <laughs> my food, but. You know, another reason that Leo, no doubt, watched every week live from Italy in the middle of whatever time that is. But I know, Leo, you meant that you missed Brian W. Peterson. Let's roll that tape. It's back by popular demand. It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Every time. There's every Fresh time. off an appearance at the Hall of Presidents out at the uh, Mouse House. It's Brian W. Peterson. And we've got another friend to the show, Robert, with a little walk and talk question. Oh, we do? Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, wow. Hey, Adam. Hey, Trace. Hey, Mike. Maybe. Anyway, thinking about the new head baseball coach, and I got a question. What metric do we use to decide if he is successful at UCF? And how long do we give him? to achieve that success. Less or more time than his predecessor. Thanks, go Knights, charge on. Mm. Starring in the role of Mike, Leo, Leo. I um, mean, that's a great, it's a great yeah. series of questions. We got a number of questions. Let's talk about all the baseball questions at one time at the JC Morning. Now that we have a finally baseball coach, <laughs> finally have a baseball coach, we'll be able to stop the bleeding. What are your thoughts on coach Wallace? Emptiness, uh, Michael. Thoughts on Rich Wallace? Uh, lonely be UCF. Always with a funny one. Is Coach Wallace going to bring back the good bats, or is he an unserious coach? Uh, all right. So you got all the. That's your that's your group of baseball questions. Good one though. I I think what D Brown said. This was his dream job, right? He cares about those letters on the front, and he's going to want to succeed here. He isn't going to use this as a stepping stone uh, to another job. But you know, seven years with Greg Lovelady and going into a tough conference. There's there's a demanding portion of the fan base that wants to see results now. I think that transition to the Big 12 may be challenging, though. Yeah, I'm not sure which question I'm answering here. I think again, Any I like I like the hire. I think you know D Brown said it perfectly. This is his dream job. He wants to be here. It's kind of what we saw with Darren Hinshaw on the on the football side. Someone who, who's really passionate about UCF. Sign me up for somebody like that any day of the week. His metric is going to be wins. I mean, I, I think for everything you want to say about Greg Lovelady and what, what may or may not have gone on, I think ultimately it's results on the field that that ended up, you know, being the deciding factor for for Greg not coming back to UCF. So I think wins will be the metric. Does he get more or less years? Who, who knows, right? I mean, what Lovelady got seven. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is a, a two-year and out coach. I mean, my, my hope is, if I'm hearing D Brown correctly, this is a coach that wants to be here and hopefully will we'll set up roots, will we'll start start to build the program. Is it going to happen overnight? Probably not. Are we going to win the, you know, the College World Series next year? Probably not. But can we set ourselves up in three, five years to be a successful player? I think that's that's sort of the goal. And, and, and my suspicion is that he'll get the window of time to do that. So I think wins are, are where I'm at with it. And again, and the fact that this guy loves UCF and wants to be here, sign me up for that every day of the week versus somebody who maybe, you know, like a Girardi, for instance, who maybe has this as kind of a flyover job. I mean, for me, it's got to be, I mean, at least for my, my metric is I would, wins are definitely important. Um, and obviously that's what's going to take you into, you know, maybe a regional or uh, deep into conference uh, play and, and being regular season conference champions. But uh, if you're if you're making regionals consistently, I think that's got to be that's definitely ha has to be ha has to be the priority. 
Um, I don't think Sienna is going to be on the schedule just, anymore. Just so everyone's up, that's actually UCF Mike comment <laughs> okay, on the yeah, show. Little, yeah, that's, that's not me. That's that UCF one. Mike. But also, if you couldn't tell that just by the comment alone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, for me, um, regionals making it consistently. And in, in, uh, as far as, um, you know, the, the time in, in, in the window that he deserves, it's got to be more than, than Coach Lovelady just because – you know, we're going into a, 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 we're taking a step up in competition and uh, he just looks like a guy that deserves more than his predecessor. Just but again, it. that was seven years. You saw UCF Realist comment that, on there. Yes. Two years of transition. Let's see some results by year three. I don't know that he's got seven years to take him to an NCAA region, you know, so. Oh, no. And I have no doubt that he will. That's the thing. I have no doubt that Coach Wallace will take this program into to a regional in in that time like i that's i might be a little bold i don't know if you know you guys agree but i think he will take him all right james has demanded a football question at zebel's ucf random tweet that he chooses to believe reports ucf football travel almost nine thousand miles a season remember there's the road trip to boise two trips to kansas oklahoma and lubbock okay so you can see how it all adds up not exactly news ames is far away from everything but could constant travel have a bigger effect than most of us are thinking? I don't know about it in football, but maybe in some other sports, uh, especially when you start to add BYU to the mix. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly extra miles on the body isn't great. Um, and so there, there's probably a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think the other element to think about is the cost. You know, what's the cost for, for the athletics mm-hmm. you know, department to, to schlep schools back and forth across the country? But certainly extra miles on the body never helps out. But, I mean, teams travel all the time and win games. I would hope that we can do the same. Leo? Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> well, he, you fit right into the UCF Mike slot here. <laughs> we'll move on to, to Spursy night. How great is it to have an elite recruiter like us? A couple of booms this week. Uh, of course, a long time yet, as Mike likes to say, before they're actually on campus and in a UCF uniform. But been a good week on the recruiting front uh, for Gus. How good to have UCF in the mix for these guys, Leo? Um. <sighs> I mean, for me, what Gus has done in the last month, I would say, just in terms of, you know, getting those booms, you know, I, I've been away for, for a while now, but no, I, I've been, really? we had no I, I've been, but I've been keeping there. If there's one thing I've been keeping track of is definitely the booms and who we're getting in. Cause that just, you know, that's just important for the, for the football program moving forward. And I think that's what we could get excited about in the off season. Cause there's really nothing else going on. Um, but to hold us over, recruiting and having these guys come in, uh, it means everything for this football program. And it actually does it actually does put Gus Malzahn in, in the scope of, you know, being an elite recruiter. I mean, he did a great job at, at Auburn, I, I would say. Um, and, and, you know, going into the Big 12 transitioning with, you know, uh, with UCF, uh, I think he's going to make a splash. And I also think that the Kingdom NIL and – um, all this, um, I think he's really, really, you know, hounded down with uh, with Sean and making sure that you know that, th- that that they're getting the players that they they want and need uh, to make this to make sure that this football program is successful. So, all right, another one, Leo at Patrick Nurse FTW. Over under number of booms between now and the start of fall 2023, 11 weeks away from the uh, home opener. Over under number of booms. Over under, I'd say 
man, five, five booms. Five booms. Five are over under on conference. Well, that's, that's the thing. We need a number to do the over. We need a number to do the over under. Yeah. If you give me five and a half, I'll take the over, Trace. I think I'm, I'm yeah. going to go with Dolly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do positivity here. Serious sonic booms coming. I'm going to go uh, over five and a half. Uh, Brian W. Peterson, Adam, is Gus actually the person tweeting from his account? All right. I can tell a story, Trace. You Set were here. That story up for you. You were here with uh, during this as well. So Trace and I are out at the uh, the Varsity Knights Alumni Golf Tournament, and we are literally hanging out, and I'll put that in air quotes, with Gus Malzahn and, and a couple other folks. We are following them as they're on the golf course, taking some you know conversation, having some pictures. And so we're off on a side while they're, while they're teeing off on, on a golf cart. Gus is – I don't think he was teeing off. I think at that point Will Healy was teeing off. I look at my phone, and I see one minute ago Gus Malzahn boom tweet. <laughs> he was right in front of me one minute prior to that without a phone in his hand. So somebody else tweeted that hmm. boom. Um, this was um, uh, his name escapes me. Uh, I think it was uh, Patterson who committed from uh, Middle Tennessee, um, but doesn't have a phone in his yeah. hand. So somebody else tweeted out that boom. I'm not saying everybody does, but on that particular day, I didn't see a Gus phone in my in his hand. So somebody tweeted that boom. Interesting. At Noslo LW, a combined question asking about the impact on the change in wide receiver coaches from Wyatt to Hurd last year. And I don't know that we can answer these questions with knowledge, uh, but some of the theories in these questions are interesting. Did it seem to have an impact on productivity of the receivers? Is that due to coaching style, mindset, drills, Plumlee's throwing? Uh, what, what do you think? I think it's a combination of things, right? I think you want to blame the quarterback for everything, but those wide receivers have got to get some separation too and got to help their quarterback. Gentlemen. For me? Anybody. I wasn't listening to that one. So that's, that's <laughs> you. No, all I got to say is for uh, creating separation. If, if coach Inshaw actually wants to, you know, have this vertical passing game become a threat, there's no doubt that they do. And I mean, you also have to kind of offset the, you know, the, the vertical passing game too. You're going to have to throw short too. So um, that also, that's actually kind of one of the, um, harder routes to create separation is, you know, those short medium routes, but cause you have less time. So um, yeah, for me, that's, that's a, a priority for the wide receivers. And I don't know if they did uh, I would say a great job of doing that last year, but you know, here and there they had their, 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 their time, but. Okay. Adam. Hey, Adam, you there? <laughs> <laughs> you got don't anything quite know the, I don't quite know the question, Trace. There's a, a, I'm asking you a new question. At Cap Beach one, is it okay, more well, can or we, less hold likely? On. Yeah. Can we answer my question? There's a debate going on in the chat of whether or not Gus Malzahn can schedule his own tweets. <laughs> I think there's no chance Gus Malzahn schedules his tweets. <laughs> no. um, but some people think that it's possible. Matt Dolan thinking that you know, GOL has a better Do we think Gus can schedule his own tweets? If I the question so. is... Gus or George O'Leary. Right. I like Gus's <laughs> chances a little bit better than Coach right. O'Leary. Fair enough. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's uh, fair. This just goes to show you how many things Adam is involved in during uh, the show. Just not a lot going on. Here, this one for Beach? you, Adam. At Cap Page yeah. 1, is it more or less yeah. likely for UCF to have home night games in the Big 12 and why? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's going to be afternoon games. I think that's just the way the Big 12 schedule breaks out. I don't know that they have a ton of primetime slots available, especially on the Fox windows. So I'm going to, I'm going to say these are going to be more um, daytime, uh, mid-afternoon games. 
uh, Leo at Black Gold underscore Ed. UCF baseball goes to a College World Series or the Lazy River is built. Which happens first? <laughs> uh, College World Series. Oh, you're doubtful. Lots of, lazy uh, wow. I don't know about you guys, but I am such I'm, I'm a huge believer in, in Coach Wallace. But um, just the but fact not that, as much a lazy yeah, river. Yeah, lazy no, river. I, have, wow. I have zero belief, zero belief for the lazy river. It's, wow. it's you know, it's been what five years now since the, the rendering and still drum I mean, bands and Danny White. I, you can still find a little sand out in the parking lot. Yeah, I beach mean, sand. let's be real here. All right, and this one I think has the mikings of uh, a Mike top 12, but there'd be just seven answers. Uh, strength is spear. Has anyone figured out what's in the big 12 box? What's going to be in the big 12 box? What's in the, so Trace, this is where you have to set up the what's in the box clip next time from. Um, <laughs> no, uh, that, from... no, that's a family show. We're not doing that. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I have no idea, but I, I like every idiot out there. I also ordered one. So as soon as a big 12 <laughs> box arrives at my doorstep, I'll be the first to share with everybody. There was at least a hat I saw, right? So, at least one hat is involved in the Big 12 box. I think I saw they released another 250. So that exclusive 500 is gone, but I think 250 is back uh, in circulation. So What uh, was the donation for this? $12? $12? Uh Somewhat more significant than that. What about uh, some sort of Instagram video or something where you open the box Ooh. and show us what's inside? I agree. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to do that? Yeah, I want cool. you to do that. Um, it was 120. Lauren says she has a list. Yeah, Lauren says she has a list. Oh, Lauren, um, drop one. What's in it? What's in the box? Yeah, I had. I already Lauren. told you that. Hat. Well, no, something besides a hat. What else? I don't know. Le- leftover now. ducks from previous <laughs> spirit splashes. All right. Finally, Circus Sports out with some early lines. You can never talk about lines in games too soon. Mike, hey, I'm not talking about watch lists. Lines should be okay, right? 77 days away. UCF favored by 35 over Kent State. You uh, you lay in that 35, Adam. Take the over. <laughs> Yikes. I might not. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking over on 35. Not taking Absolute over. Coll- cups. Collapsible cup. Pins. Oh. Pins. Is this, this is just random? This is random? I, this is, I, or we don't know? These are things you know? Listen, Patrick, nope. There- Dolly Drama is a reputable source. So if he's going to tell me Class World Cups, which seems like it's not a good design thing, by the way, but pins, sunglasses, and Lauren has no time to go check for us. So that's where we are currently with the... Uh, what the, about, Adam, you open the box and you get your kids as part of the video where they review whether they think it's an acceptable item to be in the Big 12 box? What do you think about that? I mean, I'm in on that. I don't think my kid. Do you think my kids are cute enough to pull that off? I don't know. I think your kids are stars of the show. I think you need to have them on more. You know, I'm a big fan of your daughter. She's spot on. You want me to bring her in? <laughs> she's she's probably in the next room. I know you guys are, you know. Wait, we've patched up all differences. As we get 77 days before the start of a football season. We're good. I deleted right? that. Um, We're good. I don't have time to get the cliff, Trace. But yes. yeah, We don't need the cliff. <laughs> I know you don't. I know you're really not the cliff. Yeah, we don't need the cliff. That, but I'm just saying we're good. We're good. And I think you need to involve her uh, in that uh, assessment of the big 12 box. All right. So what do we next week? NBA draft. Um, we'll go on head to head with that. I let's program this a little bit. I think we should stay on till Taylor is drafted. But what's what's the start time of this draft? How long does it go? When would we see picks six through ten? It's a lot of questions. I think it starts at eight. Probably the first yeah. picks not till like eight ten or eight fifteen by the time they introduce everybody. Uh, I think it's a five minute per pick situation. There. We got a good chance here. 
So I, I was never really good at math. So you can take it from there. So you think within that hour, that's that's a pretty good, pretty good chance. I think at picks yeah. six to seven, eight, and I think that's the window. So you're probably looking at that hour, a little over an hour situation. So we should stay up during that, and you should uh, join us for part of that conversation that night. So I think that's a good idea. Leo, welcome back. Did we run out of time for Leo's vacation photos? Next it's week. Too much. But next week. Yeah, next week. Next week. It's a lot of lot of cover. So. <laughs> Leo, welcome back. I want to thank Kobe Price, uh, beat writer for the Orlando Magic at uh, uh, the Orlando Sentinel, and uh, Dee Brown, the Athletics Hall of Famer, sharing a little of his insights on Rich Wallace. Adam, Leo, it's been great to have you and all of you watching for Sons of UCF Live. I'm Trey Strelko. Go Knights! Charge, Charge on. on. This is Taylor Hendrickson. Thank you for watching the Sons of UCF. Who knew? Sports Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.